0: One of the things that we do as a church family is give ourselves to the preaching of the Word. It's where the pastor will speak to us from Scripture so that we might understand it up here, believe it in here, and then live it out out there. So that's what we're doing at this time. You're sort of passive right now, but you're actually supposed to be fully engaged in these words, thinking on them, seeking to believe them and think about their implications. All right, let me start here. Think with me on what the most common responses are for you when you ask a Bostonian, how you doing? How you doing? You say, how you doing? They say what? Good. Every Bostonian teenager comes at you with that answer right there. They could be having the best week of their life. Or the worst week of their life. Good. How about cold? Oh, man, I'm freezing. You're about to get that one for the next four months of your life to one degree or another. How am I doing? I'm cold. How about sometimes you actually get not good? That's when you go, oh, no. I was not intending to have a long conversation here. I was just looking for some chit-chat. Not good? How do I respond to that? Hands down, easily, for me, other than good, the most common answer that I get to that question, how you doing, is this. Busy. Super busy. Wicked busy. Crazy busy. Have you got that before? School, work, kids, <laughs> Soccer games, family in town, traveling, I've been Netflix binging, NBA league pass was free for a week, kickboxing classes, I've just been all out crazy busy. This answer right here, crazy busy, is a reference to time. How we think about it, how we manage it, how we steward it. Crazy busy is getting at, I got a problem with time. And it's a very honest reference, almost 99% of the time, when someone says crazy busy, they're not saying that like it's a good thing, are they? It's usually a frustration. It's usually a statement of exhaustion, despair even. There's some regret in this answer. Crazy busy is very often a confession of sin, isn't it? It's like confessing the life that I have set up for myself, what I've got going on right now, is working against joy in my soul and against fruitfulness in my life. In other words, there's a sense in which crazy busy could be a good and holy thing if we were crazy busy about the work that the Lord has called us to our vocations our station sometimes crazy busy is just the honest answer for that stretch in your life and it's okay but usually what does crazy busy mean usually it means my life's a little bit out of control and I am not stewarding or managing my time wisely and I know it. What I wish I had the time to do when everybody, anybody hits me with this crazy, busy response is to say to them, hey, let's talk about your calendar. Let's talk about your calendar. How many people in this room run one of those color-coded, incredibly organized Google or Yahoo calendars? Who's got that going on? Okay. Okay. How many people have a paper and pen handwritten system you could pull it out of your purse or your purse right now? Okay. How many people just have a giant calendar tacked up by their kitchen fridge somewhere and it's just... Okay. How many people got it all right up in here? There's my calendar on the left side of my brain. That's Melissa. What I want to say is If I could get you and me and Jesus with your calendar, would it immediately be obvious that Jesus is Lord? That his gospel is true? That he's called you to some beautiful things in life? That he's he's made you a part of his family? That you have been invited to his mission? What if we got to a place where gospel-busy is the default answer that we give with the time of our lives and not crazy busy. That is what the living God wants for every single one of us in this room. Before I say another word, let me make it very, very clear that you are not about to get a guilt trip sermon in any way, shape, or form. I'm not about to shame you for not giving yourself to enough religious activities. That's not what this verse of Scripture is about. This is an invitation into the joy that comes with giving ourselves, our souls, to Christ, to His church, to His mission, to our work in the world. I'm just hoping that this one verse of Scripture is helpful for some theological vision for you, maybe to trigger a change in the way that you think about the time that you've been given. If that's going to happen, the Spirit has to work in here on your heart. At the end of the day, you give your time to what you love, right? Your schedule is dictated by necessity to some degree, but also by affection. So this is not a time management talk. This is going after your heart with the good news of God's love for you in the gospel. All right, let's do that together. We are preaching through a field guide of what it means for us to be Seven Mile Road together. We're hitting on big ideas for what it looks like for us to make disciples and to love each other. Here's how we talk about the time element for doing that together. We say, if we're going to have healthy souls and a healthy church, we are going to give our gospel work the time that it requires. We're going to give our gospel work the time that it requires. Another way to say this is like this. We're going to go all in as long as it takes. All in as long as it takes. If you prefer mathematical representations, we could say it like this. Reps, repetition, times years equals gospel impact. Frequency times longevity is going to get us to gospel impact. That is the calculus of the text that Amy just read to us. The words that you heard was Pastor Paul speaking to a crowd like this who had helped him to plant a church. He's rewinding through what made it such a healthy, fruitful church community and successful mission. Hitting on the faithful marks Of a fruitful church. And I love this one verse because he speaks directly to time. He communicates clearly what the time element was in getting this church to thrive. Here's what he said For three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. There's two different references to time in here. If I gave you a marker and I let you write on the board up here, could you circle them with me? One reference is to frequency. Do you see it in there? Did not cease night and day. The other reference to time is what? It's a reference to longevity. Three years. In other words, they gave themselves to their gospel work all in, for as long as it took. All right, let's spend some time on both of these together. The first one was frequency. He said, I did not cease night or day. Night or day is a Jewish way of thinking about 24 hours. The day begins at evening when you go to rest and God runs the universe. And then you wake up and you catch up with him and you do what he has called you to do. That's a Jewish day. I did not cease night or day would be our way of saying daily or regularly or relentlessly or repetitively. I was involved in the work of the gospel. There was no national grid in the city of Ephesus in the ancient world. So when the sun set, everyone went to their homes and they gave themselves to gospel conversations, to meals together, to word and prayer. Paul says explicitly, I was teaching you from house to house. They would do that in the evenings. When the sun rose, they would head out into the work world. Paul was a tent maker. He would go to his shop. He would be about his vocation. And as he was putting his tents together, he would talk gospel shop with people and share Christ with them. On the Sabbath day, he would go do that in the synagogue." When he received some funding and he was able to quit his day job and just minister, he would go to the hall of Tyrannus day after day after day, reasoning with people. Do you feel these words? Day after day, night after night, in the home, in the marketplace, in the synagogue, in Tyrannus' hall, he was engaged with the work of the gospel. Frequency. He knew that making disciples takes time together. Without those reps, there is no time for relationships to grow deep, for questions to get asked and answered, for tears to be shed, for meals to be shared, for jokes to be told, experiences to be had. He knew, we know that anything worthwhile in life is going to take some reps. All right, I have not used up my basketball analogy quota for the month, so here we go. After my pathetic junior year of basketball, my coach called me into the office and handed me an assessment of my game. You would have assumed after reading this that I was a 95-year-old wheelchair-bound person based on the words that he put in this assessment. I received no scores above 2 out of 10. It actually said, Matthew Cruz's range is four feet. I still have it. That's very close to the basket. The areas for improvement ran to the bottom of the page and then on the back of the page. I was either going to quit basketball or I was going to get serious about getting better. I had not given it the reps required. Over the course of the next 10 months of my life, there was only three places you could find me. My house, Nautilus Plus in Revere, which was which is a weightlifting place, or the courts around Everett, Revere, and Chelsea. Seriously, five days a week, I lifted. Seven days a week, I played basketball. In the morning, I was alone before anyone woke up, just going up and down the court, teaching myself how to do the skill work, repetition after repetition. In the afternoons, I was pumping iron. In the evenings, I was playing pickup games wherever I could find them. I showed up for tryouts 10 months later. I was 16 pounds heavier. You know how that happens sometimes with high school kids? They go from bone rack to at least a little bit of muscle. I was 10 times stronger. You could actually now see muscles on my body. I have pictures. And I was 100 times more skilled than I was 10 months before that. I dominated the first two days of tryouts, just throwing people around at will. The coaches called me into the office. It smelled like cigars. I can still smell it. And basically they said, what in the world happened to you? My answer was, reps, time. I gave it the hours, coach. I wanted this bad. There is no way to see gospel advance in your soul or in the mission of our church without giving the reps and the hours to the work. We Americans struggle to believe that. Some of us are churched. We think, I can just show up every now and then, give a little bit, and stay tacitly connected to the mission of the church, and I'm good. That has never been enough for a soul to thrive or for a church to be healthy. We need time together. That's how we get to know each other, love each other, listen to each other, learn from each other. It takes time. I'm not talking about burning out. I'm not talking about overdoing it. I'm not talking about church life where every night of the week and Saturdays and Sundays all you do is church activities. Some of us have been there before, and that's not what this is. Frequency is an issue of concentration. It's an issue of devotion. It's an issue of being serious enough about the work to give it a chance to thrive. We're determined to give it the time. And not just enough time, but enough time for long enough. That's the second phrase that he gives to us. Transience is as much of a threat to the life of a church as busyness, right? Both of those two time things are a grave danger to your soul and to the, to the mission of a church. Not just busyness, but transience. The Spirit speaks transience. The Spirit speaks to this beautifully as well. He says, Paul was in the city with these people long enough to get some work. In this specific case, it was three years. That's 12 seasons. That's a thousand days of doing life together. And he stayed on the course. Do you think that everything went great for a thousand days in a row? Do you think that every conversation was very pleasant? Do you think that there was no knuckleheads in this community? Do you think that every sermon was very well received? Do you think that he didn't think at times about going and being somewhere else? You know, like you searching the price of condos on Miami Beach in February. Did those thoughts not run through his head after a year, two years, into a third year? Of course there was conflicts to navigate and personalities to figure out. He actually lived through a riot. In the city he was thrown out of the synagogue none of these things caused him to short-circuit his commitment to giving it the years that it needed that's the time horizon that is required for deep relationships and trust to happen don't remember at the end of this don't forget at the end of this speech they are embracing each other and they are weeping because they had grown so close because they had given it years. We also get this intuitively. Can you make a great meal in five minutes? The infomercials tell you that junk, but it can't happen. You need some time to make a great meal. Can you have a killer team that's practiced together twice? There's longevity that's required. The most beautiful marriages that we have are the ones that pass the 5 and the 10 and the 15 and the 20-year mark because time has enabled a depth of affection and love. It's the same thing with a healthy soul and a healthy church. We have to dig in for the long haul together. This is especially tough for Americans and especially tough for Bostonians. We are on the move. That's the way we do what we do. Boston specifically is the kind of town where you're supposed to go to school, maybe get your first job in your first apartment or condo, but then you move on to warmer, greener, cheaper pastures. That's how this is supposed to work. You know that the cost of living around here is borderline criminal, right? Have you experienced this yet? Okay like living in a hotel or an airport terminal. Why is this tuna fish sandwich $18? I don't understand. If you spend some time on Trulia, you realize a house in Melrose, that's $700,000. Get that same exact house in Dayton, Ohio, or Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, or Austin, Texas for one eighty three. dollars I measured it out. Do you know that we tax you when you make your money and then when you spend your money in this state and then when you try and give your money to your children? Do you know that we tax you when you buy a car and then when you drive the car and then when you sell the car It's like a vacuum just coming out of your pocket? And you know about the coldness of living here? This is a big issue for people, right? We don't mean cute, fun, cold. We mean in mid-March, everyone's on a suicide watch because we have not seen the sun for 31 degrees. It gets dark at 3.30 in the afternoon in Melrose for 90 days. When people get here, they're all excited, right? Fenway, the sicko sign, the Freedom Trail. Santarpios, Antarpios, the duck boats, oh, Boston, world-class city. Two years in, and they are out of money. <laughs> They've been cut off more times than they can remember around rotaries. They haven't met a single Christian outside of the doors of the church. They burned through three pairs of boots and seven winter coats, and they're done. Have you had those conversations? Okay. I'm being sarcastic. The problem is this. In order to build a healthy church with deep relationships that maintains a faithful gospel presence over the long haul, that requires locking in with each other for the long haul. My buddy Dan Rogers is planning a church down in Dorchester. One of the things he did when he arrived from Alabama was to meet the mayor of Dorchester. You know how those neighborhoods all have their own real mayor? Mayor. Well, the mayor of Dorchester looked at Dan after Dan gave him his gospel church planting spiel and he said, Dan, nice to meet you, but you won't be here in two years. No shot. I've seen this before. And Dan said, Well, we'll just have to prove you wrong. The weird conversation because he was looking down at Dan, but Dan's six eight and played offensive line at Alabama, this monster of a church planner. Dan has been there for eight or nine years now, making disciples, loving the city. And he walks back that place where he met the mayor of Dorchester, and he just says, I'm still here. I'm giving it the time that it's required. There's a beautiful church, Christ the King Dorchester, that has grown up around that family's commitment to stick it out together. Gospel change does not happen super fast in a culture or even in our souls. Movement like that takes years. Outside and inside, we need each other to run with each other for as long as it takes. That's what Paul and his team did, and that is a model for us. Reps times years equals a beautiful church, healthy souls, gospel impact, right. I'm weird. I liked geometry class, sophomore year of high school. Did anybody else like geometry class? Uh, wasn't that great you get to prove the theorem to be true? Uh. I actually even liked applied statistics in the MBA program. The book was like this thick, but I was just into all that stuff. So grids, charts, shapes, they help my brain. I'm going to love you by putting a grid up here that we use to disciple each other and to talk with people about time. And I want you to think about where you land. So the x-axis here is reps, from none, enough. And the y-axis down here is years, from none to enough. Please notice there's no time slots on this. There's no map that says this is exactly what it is. But there is some number of reps and years. And we break this into these quadrants, and I want you to think, which one of these places do I live in? Some people live down here. Sam gave me this word. I call them the squirrels. You might have heard the phrase church church hopper. These are folks who bounce from church to church to church without ever investing themselves in any relationships, or discipleship communities or missional endeavors. They don't give the gospel any chance to take root in themselves. And they're totally useless in serving others because they're gone before you know what happens. Have you ever watched a squirrel in the woods? They're just never in the same place for more than two seconds and you don't know if you're looking at the same squirrel or a different squirrel and they're just bouncing around like that. Some of us do time like that. We just don't give the reps, nor do we hang around more than six months, and our souls are dry and our missions are useless. Is that where you land? Probably not if you're in church this morning, but that may be. Some of us land up in here. I call these the fireworks. Have you met these folks? Oh, shoot, they show up with huge energy, huge promise. The first day, they fill out a Connect card, and they talk with you for three hours after the service. After a month, they're on the welcome team, the setup team. They're playing in the band. They're teaching the kids. Three weeks later, they signed up for online giving. They've had six different people over their house for dinner. But before you actually get to know their story, their sin, their wiring, before they actually get to be helpful to the long-term mission of the church, they're gone. I call that a firework. Wow, it looks great. But they did not stick for enough time to actually make an impact in the life of the church. Sometimes that's because conflict arises, and we just check out. We don't want to fight through it. Sometimes a newer, shinier church pops up on their website, on their computer, and they jump to that one. Sometimes they just don't want to pay the price to be invested long-term in the life of a church. So it's just like a firework, which is great for a minute, but has no long-term impact. Is that you? Are you a firework? How about this one? I call this one roles. You might think of it like church consumer or attender or observer. On the roles of the church but not giving their time to the people of the church to be useful. So we come and we watch, and we're committed to the church long-term because we're not going anywhere, so we'll be around. But we think of it like the dentist. I should go to a dentist. I'll go a couple of times a year because it's the right thing to do. Church hits that same category. Never around at all in the summer, never a part of anything that's really happening deeply. So I'm here, and I'm around, and I'm on the rolls. But there's no reps. There's no time invested in relationships. Is that you? And then last one, beautiful, and this is where we want to land. Disciple and disciple maker. This is life lived with the people of God, on the mission of God day after day, week after week, praying, reading, arguing, fighting, forgiving, loving, learning, confessing, dreaming together. This is where we get to see each other through seasons of life, seasons of doubt, seasons of repentance, seasons of great faith, seasons of illness, Seasons of prosperity, seasons of strength, seasons of weakness. Here's where the Spirit gets to actually work in our souls over time. Here's where we just see each other get married and have babies, lean into each other as our parents die, and watch the gospel work. There is a holy intersection of reps and years. And that is where gospel impact happens. That's where the joy is. That's where the life is. That's where we want you to live with us. All right, two questions and I'll finish. In the field, God, I run through examples of folks in the life of our church who have landed all over the map here. All of their stories are different. Like I was saying, there's no numbers on these axises. Here's the right number of years. Here's the right number of reps. Here's exactly what the schedule needs to be. Here's the point. A good amount of time used really well. A good amount of time used really well. I was all in as long as it took to do what God called me to do. All right, so ask yourself. Let these words now sink in. Think of yourself in your home. Where are we at on frequency? Frequency is so hard because we're materialists and we want to live a life with a ton of comfort and pleasure and that life takes a ton of money. So we work, 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 work so we can buy, 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 buy and we work, 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 work so we can spend, 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 spend and we work, 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 work so we can travel, 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 travel and there's no time for the people or the mission of God. Sometimes this is an issue with you, it's just a straight up lack of love. You just really don't love people, you don't love your neighbors, so you don't want to give the time to invest in those relationships. Sometimes some of us need to get out our schedule and get out a lighter and set it on fire and start over. Sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes we need to say, what will I not do this week? What will I not do this year? so that I can go hard after God and hard after my neighbor in the life of the church. Some of us just need to gospel ourselves. Is my life and my schedule shouting, Jesus is the greatest treasure that there is, the greatest treasure, and I'm all in on Jesus in my soul and in my home and in the church that he has made me a part of. This doesn't mean that you don't work hard. This doesn't mean that some of us don't work 60 hours a week. It means when I look at my schedule over the long haul, have I given myself to the people in the life of a church? If there's hard questions here. I want you to be answering them in community. How am I spending the reps of my time? Could I say, you know, I, like, I didn't cease night and day to give myself To Christ and to his people. And then last one. Where are you at with longevity? Where are you at with longevity? The question here is not forever. The question is, have I given myself to this long enough? People leave for legitimate good gospel reasons all the time, right? We're totally good with that. Other people leave because... They don't want to resolve conflict. They don't want to really love their neighbor. Or they're just lured by a cheaper, easier, warmer life somewhere. And so they go, and then they go again, and then they go again. Sometimes it's time to go, right? We're going to be celebrating Matt and Laurel's nine years of loving and serving the people in the life of this church. And we are totally on board with the Reps, the years that they have given us has been extraordinary and now they're going to go do that in the city of Buffalo. It's great. Sometimes people are thinking, hey, I've got five years to give to the life of this church. I'm going all in and we'll revisit then. Great. Years. Sometimes, and this needs to become more and more of us, it needs to be I'm just in for the long term. I have no exit strategy. When we talk about it at home, we're like, we're on a plane, and we didn't stock the parachutes. (laughs) There's no jumping out of this thing. Jesus has called us to this, and we're in as long as he needs us to do it. There is no exit strategy for me. I don't know what the right answer is for you. What I know is long enough is a category. And I pray that none of us would short-circuit the work that Jesus would do Because of sinful reasons. Have I given myself to the work often enough? And have I stuck with it for long enough? If every saint in Jesus' church across the planet would think that way, our souls would thrive. Our churches would thrive. There's a lot of wisdom to be had here. We want you having these conversations in community with the people of the church and the pastors of the church. What does frequency look like for us? What does longevity look like for us? But I also want you to be listening to the Spirit and saying, if somebody looked at my schedule, would they say, Jesus is Lord and his gospel is true and my joy is wrapped up with the good of the advance of the gospel in my home and my neighborhood and in my church. Let's pray about that together. Father, these are hard words objections jump to our minds immediately. So I pray we would just put those aside together. There is no guilt. There is no shame. There is no perfect algorithm that we all need to follow here. But I pray that right now we would get a vision for time used well. That we would find a way for our schedules to be saturated with gospel realities that you would remove any guilt trips from us. Instead, we would just say, it is my joy to love the people of God and the mission of God. Father, we need some of us to just stay here on this mission with no exit plan, just indefinitely, as long as you'd have us. We need others to get healthy here and to go and serve you in other states and other countries. Would you be gracious enough to give us the wisdom to know what's what, which is which, to be unified, that our schedules would shout the glory of God in Christ. Would you hear our prayer for these things and answer, I pray. Amen.